Well, good morning, everybody. Sure good to be in church today, and I just pray that uh, every one of you will be blessed of the Lord. Amen. 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 You know, David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Well, evidently, when they went to the house of the Lord, something good was happening. I think so. And so I believe that something good is going to happen to you today. Everybody say, something good. Is going to happen today. And it's going to happen to me. It's going to happen to me. Amen. You ready for something good? I am. You know, uh, I was just thinking, I just saw a scripture on my phone that someone had posted, and it said, The grass withers, the flowers fade, but God's word never changes. Oh, I love that. You know, for the last two years, our lives have changed, yes. but God's word has never Amen. changed. And he's still with us, still on the throne, Amen. still the king of kings. Well, you know, uh, that scripture there that said the grass withers and flowers fades, but God's word is still with us. I remember reading the scripture when Paul was in prison and he said, I may be bound and I may be in prison, but the word of God is not bound. That's right. And so I want you to know whatever your circumstances are, whatever they may be, God is with you right there where you are. So don't allow the enemy to torment your mind continually. Decide that you're going to wake up and overcome and be a blessing to, to other people, no matter what's going on in your life. Not always easy to do. And we're going to be talking about that today. I'm going to be talking about how to stand in troubled times, difficult times, and how to trust God right in the middle of the storms. Amen? Amen. Well, I want us to stand up and let's pray and ask God's blessings. You know, we've already prayed here once. I've prayed at home. But you know, uh, uh, the Bible says pray without ceasing. So I believe we can't pray enough. Uh, I, I believe it's important for us to pray again. So Father, as we come into the throne room of grace today, we're so grateful and thankful for this opportunity and privilege that we have to come to experience life church this morning, to pray, to worship, to praise and magnify the name of Jesus and preach the word of God. I just pray that as we come together in the name of Jesus, that your blessings would overflow, your anointing would come as we begin to worship you, God. Touch the people that's joining us online, wherever they may be in the world. Bless them, minister to them, and meet their needs. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Let's give Jesus a hand clap of praise. Come on, everybody. We praise you, Lord. Father, you're welcome in this place. Lift your hands across this room, if you would. Father, you are welcome here. We have prayed and we have asked for your glory to be in this place. And Lord, we just say you're welcome. Angels encamped about every doorpost of this room. And for all of those watching, Father, that you be welcome in their home, wherever they are. Welcome in our heart, Lord. Lord, you're welcome to this holy place. Lord, you're welcome into this house of praise. Lord, you're righteous, you're glorious, 
Lord, we praise you, for you are holy. 
Jesus, blessed Savior, you're worthy to be praised. Sing that. wherever you are just praise him right now we welcome him into this house we welcome him into this house and now we just praise him we know you're here father we glorify you you are our all in all you are everything to us father you're the alpha the omega beginning of the end you're jehovah Rapha, our healer jehovah shalom our peace Jehovah sit canoe. Oh, you're all things to us. You're our provider, Jehovah Jireh. All we have need of, your hand has provided. Oh, we give you praise. We praise you. Yes, we praise you. We praise you. We praise you. We praise you. Jesus, blessed Savior, you're worthy to be praised. In majesty, 
graces found me just as I am Empty-handed but alive in your hands Sing that again, majesty We sing majesty Your grace, your grace has found me just as I am Empty-handed but alive in your hands We're singing majesty We sing majesty Forever I am changed Forever I am changed by your love In the presence of your majesty We sing majesty Majesty, your grace has found me, your grace has found me just as I am. Empty-handed but alive in your hands. Oh, we sing majesty. Oh, we sing majesty. Forever, forever I am changed by your love. In the presence of your majesty. And that's something forever changed by his love. In the presence of his majesty. His presence is right here with you. Would you sing that? Majesty. We sing majesty. Your grace has found me. Your grace has found me just as I am. Empty-handed, empty-handed, but alive in your hands. So we'll sing majesty. We sing majesty. Forever I am changed. Forever I am changed by your love. In the presence of your majesty. Forever I am changed by your love in the presence of your majesty sing that again forever I am changed by your love in the presence of your majesty Yeah. 
Let's just raise our hands and thank him for his goodness today. Father, we're so grateful for your love, for your mercy, for your goodness, for your kindness. We're so grateful, God, for the strength to be able to come to the house of the Lord and worship you in spirit and in truth. Thank you for all that are here and those that are watching us somewhere online. We pray, Holy Spirit, that the blessings of the Lord, the anointing of God, will be upon them as we worship you. David, Don, one more time. Would you do that? Let's just come, everybody, just enter in. You that are home, wherever. In your Your presence, lifting hope.
brought us through. Yes, Lord. I look around and I see so many different things over our period of marriage and then before I even met my wonderful wife of the things that God has brought us through. Yes. He's truly, truly our majesty. Can you say amen? amen. Well, you may be seated. Turn around and look at somebody and say, you're sure looking good today. You're looking good today. Amen. Amen. Well, I just want to tell you that this is the time that I believe God's doing special in the hearts and lives of people that's open to a refreshing from the Lord. You know, we had a wonderful prayer meeting uh, this past Thursday night. Uh, we had a pastor on from Australia had people from Canada, and then we had people from the Philippines and the United States. And our prayer meeting was very successful. And we're just praying and believing God. And the pastor from Australia said that God had been speaking to him about a new thing. And then, of course, Lynn, she came on and was talking about the same thing. And as we talked about the new thing, you know, it's like, when the pastor from Australia was talking about that, he said, you know, when Esther walked into the king, when she walked into the king, and you're not supposed to do that unless you're invited, but it was such a time that she must take a step of faith and risk her life because her life was in jeopardy anyway, being a Jew, and she didn't know, uh, or, or the king didn't know what was going on. He, he had signed a decree to kill all the Jews, but at the same time, he didn't know Esther was a Jew. And so she walked in, and he extended the scepter to her. So that was something new. I believe God is doing something new and telling us to step out and do some things that we've never done before. And so I'm ready for God to do something new. Aren't you? You know, yesterday, I was blessed and honored to be on a Zoom call, um, pastors all over the Caribbean, even New York and uh, some other places. I was ministering to pastors, many, many, many pastors, and it was such an opportunity. And one of the things that I said, you know, I had 10 points that I was given the pastors because they had asked me, they said, you've been a senior. I, I don't like the word senior. No one does. Uh, you know, uh, no, one likes that word. Uh, no, I mean, you know, uh, when people think of seniors, they think of people that's just <laughs> trying to, trying to get to the next spot, you know. 25 cent coffee at McDonald's, though. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> well, I do get the discounts, you know, that's one thing, you know, I do get, the, especially when I got 55 and I got that carb, that art carb, uh, was it art? Is that the card, you know, and you place that out there, you know, you get some discounts every now and then. But, you know, I was talking to those pastors, and they said, since you're a father, I love the people in the Caribbean. They're so sweet, the way they talk. And they said, since you're a father, since you're a father, you need to just tell us how to do ministry. You've been doing ministry so long. And we had some wonderful, wonderful men and women of God on uh, a part of the 
uh, time that we were together. And uh, one of the things that I said as a pastor or as a minister of any kind, if you want to be successful and you want God to bless you, you must be a giver. I'm amazed at the amount of people that's in ministry. They want to take from ministry, but they don't want to give back to ministry. And all of you heard our testimony over and over again. When we were kids in New York, uh, our first night together, first thing we did was put our knees on the ground and place our arms on the bed, and we prayed. We made a covenant to each other. We'll always love God. We'll always love each other, and we'll always be a tither and a giver. You know, that wasn't always easy to do. Sometimes it's difficult to love God, and I think sometimes it's difficult for Pastor Sharon to love me. But she got through it. She's still here. She told me yesterday several times she loved me. Now, I hadn't heard it today, so maybe she ought to get out of her seat and come up here and tell me I love you, Don Clowers. You'll let me know. Well, you see, I told her almost 60 years ago, I love you, and if I change my mind, I'll let you know. <laughs> but uh, I hadn't changed my mind. But I do tell her often I love her. But we, we made a commitment that night, and I was telling these pastors that because it's a story that I think needs to be told over and over again to remind myself of our covenant and to tell others one people, people wonder, how, how, what's the secret to success? I think one of our greatest secrets is being a giver. You know, I was in a grocery store just a few days ago, and there was a lady um, going through the line, and she was pulling out her credit cards, and none of them were working. And so she said, well, I'll just go and put this stuff back. And I said, no, you won't. I said, you don't have to go put this stuff back. Uh, I'll take care of it. She said, well, I don't know you. I said, I don't know you either. But I said, uh, I don't want you to go out of here. Obviously, you need these groceries or, or you wouldn't be purchased. And she said, well, I do have two children at home that, that need the food. And I said, well, just, just go ahead. It's all taken care of. Well, you know, I don't know her. I hadn't seen her. I hadn't heard from her since. But it doesn't matter. Amen? Amen. See, that's what giving does. Given, you don't have to always know who people are or whatever, but you're just a giver because, not because you see a need, but because you want to meet a need. And sometimes people see needs, but just look at them. And I'm just grateful for my wife and our three children, that each one of those three children are very adamant about their tithe and giving. Every one of them are tithers and givers. And I'm glad that we were able to teach them something. So I, I know today, as you that are watching, um, if you'll be a part of this, you know, uh, if you want God's blessing on your life, be a giver. You, you may not feel like you can tithe 10%, but do something. You know, that's, that's the thing people should do. They should do something. I watch people uh, uh, that say they love God, but yet when it comes to giving to God, they don't give back to God. So really, uh, I've said this example so many times. I could tell Sharon over and over again how much I love her, but yet if I didn't share with her what I have, and I kept everything to myself and, and didn't share with her, and she had to make her own way, what kind of example would that be of my love? My love gives, 
and it doesn't matter. What's, what's mine is hers. What's hers is hers. I mean, um, uh, <laughs> uh, when what's mine is ours, and then, then, you know, what's hers is ours as well. But, uh, you know, yeah, there you go. Uh, anyway, it's just we've learned that giving is the secret of being blessed. And if you want to be blessed, I challenge you today to do something. If you don't tithe, do something. Show your compassion for Jesus in reaching the lost. The only way we can reach the lost is have the money to do it. And you know, we don't get this building free. We don't come on TV and the internet free. We don't do anything. This room was not decorated free. You know, it took money and God somehow supplied the need and we're grateful. And he always takes care of Pastor Sharon and me. He always supplies our need. No matter what it is, no matter what we're going through, God always supplies the need. So I'm saying something today that I believe everyone, if you could just learn, give something. Give something. And if you'll give from your heart and say, Lord, I want to sow, I believe God will give you a harvest from what you sow. We like to tithe, and then we like to give beyond. We don't only give when I'm in the grocery store or restaurant or somewhere. No matter where we are, we're givers. When I go to church somewhere, no matter where I am, I always put something in the offering there because I want to give. I want to bless. I want to be a part of wherever I am. If I'm believing enough to, in that church to be there, then I'm believing enough in them that I should support that church. Amen? Amen? Anyway, as you give today, you that are online, they, had, uh, they have the graphic there of where you can go to our church in EL Global. You here in the building, why don't you just get up and start bringing your offerings down here. You that want to give this morning and or your tithe, whatever, you just be a part right now, and I believe God will bless you. We're going to pray and ask God to bless you, and then I'm going to ask Maida Avery if she'll come up here and bless us this morning. So I want you to pray and let's believe God. Father, you see everyone that is participating as a part of this worship today with our tithe and our offerings. And I ask Holy Spirit, as we are praying, as we are worshiping you with our giving, I pray that you will give them divine connections, divine appointments. You will give them a harvest what they have sown. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's welcome Maida Avery as she comes to uh, sing a special song this morning. Amen. God is good, isn't he not? All the time. Amen and amen. Let's welcome her one more time. Maida, I'm ready. Amen. This time, that time, all the time, every yes, time. Man. Yes, hallelujah. Learn to trust him. God is good. Put your trust in him. You never, ever have to worry about where you're going to get this money to pay that bill and get this money to do that tithe. <laughs> and Lord knows that where we are 
in, in him, all things are possible. Yes. Just believe and trust in him. Amen. Trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, for grace. Oh, for grace to trust him more. You may be seated. Thank you, Maida. I got so blessed. I just couldn't sit any longer. I had to stand up as she was singing that last course again. You know, learning to trust God is, is not always easy, but that's what we do. And this morning I want to talk to you about trusting God in difficult times of our life. And I think everybody here that's a part of the service here or abroad, somewhere you've had to trust God. When there was nothing else that you could turn to or lean to, you've had to trust God. Yes. And I pray that I'll say something today in these next few minutes that will cause you to have more faith to trust God. And I want to be real in my message today about what actually happens and takes place when we have things to go wrong. And as I do that, I, I want you to understand I, I believe in trusting God, and that's what I'm talking about. But I want to come to you from a place of where we live. Yes. And sometimes we read the scriptures and we... We just say stuff and it becomes religious. It's not really something we, we really mean. But you know, I, I like to be a person that's real and authentic. And where I am is where I am. Now, I, I've learned to not stay where I am when I'm disappointed, hurt, or something is going wrong. I've learned that I can't allow my emotions to stay there, but sometimes they're there. Sometimes they're there, yes. and I have to take the word of God and prayer and worship and learn how to get my emotions up where I can go on. Yes. Father, we thank you again today for the people that have chosen to be with us here in the service, those that are watching abroad, those that will watch this later. We pray that the anointing of the Holy Spirit will be upon them. You will bless them. You will lead them. You will guide them. Anoint me to speak your words. If you want me to go beyond what I have prepared, God, I'm ready to hear your voice. So bring me supernatural recall. Anoint me, anoint our listeners and people that they will grow in the Lord through this time together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now we all experience unexpected hardships in our lives. And it's in these times our trust for God is tested. But I want to say this, no matter how it looks, God will never abandon us. He'll never abandon us from his mercy, his love, his help in our time of need. Even though it may seem like you're all alone and there's no answer when you need it. However, trusting God is a learning process, especially in the darkest hours of your life or my life. Now, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, coming from the 
Amplified Classic Version, it says, lean on. When you lean on something, that has your weight. When I go to bed at night, I put my body in the bed. I trust the bed. And the bed never says, you can't sleep here. It doesn't say, I'm not going to hold you. But I lean on. I trust the bed. The scripture says, lean on, trust in, and be confident in the Lord with all your heart, your mind, and do not rely on your own insight or understanding. You know, I, I know somebody engineered our bed, somebody engineered the frame, and and I don't know what all they went through to engineer the mattress and, and, and the frame. I don't know what they all went through, our couch at home and our stools at the <clears throat> kitchen bar. All of this is there, but I don't ever question when I pull out the bar stool at, at the uh, breakfast bar. I don't ever question. I just pull it out and get on the seat and sit there. When I go to bed, I don't even think about Will this bed hold me? I just get in the bed and it holds me. You know, wouldn't it be wonderful if we had that kind of trust for God? That we could do that? But somehow we see the bed, we see the bar stool, we see the couch. But most of the time, you and I, when we go to places we've never been before, and we see a couch, a bar stool, or whatever, if we're in a hotel, we don't check the bed out to see if the bed is going to hold us or not. You know, we just go ahead and get in the bed. If there's a chair there, we get in the chair. If we go into a restaurant, we don't look around at the chair and, or the booth, whatever. Uh, I wonder if this is going to work. You know, we just, we have seen it, so we learn to trust it. You know, we don't see God physically. So sometimes when we start going through a trial or a test, we, we start wondering if God is there, if he'll hold us. See, trusting God is not ignoring your feelings or reality. It's not pretending that everything is okay when it isn't. Trusting God is living a life of belief in and obedience to God, even when it's difficult. Trusting God is a learning process of how to stay steady when it looks like nothing is changing. How many has ever been there that you've, you've walked and you've prayed and it looks like nothing's ever changing? Anybody besides Don Flowers? Well, I'll tell you I've been there many times. And I want to tell you that I am an emotional being. And as much as I preach about don't allow yourself to make emotional decisions... It doesn't mean I don't have emotions to deal with. See, when your body's not functioning right, what do you do when something's wrong? You go to the doctor to find out what it is. Or maybe you've got symptoms and you probably know close to what's going on. You go to the doctor to get some medicine so you can get over whatever's going on quickly. 
Or maybe you've been having a problem somewhere in your body and you go to the doctor and, and maybe it's, it's some kind of something on your body that's not supposed to be there. It's growing there and you get concerned about it. Or you, you get a blood test and they say this has happened or this has taken place. So you go in and when you do, the doctor says, well, I've got to do a biopsy. I gotta, I gotta take some cells from your body, and I gotta have them analyzed to see what's causing this uh, unusual thing in your blood. Why this is, is, is your body is reacting the way it is. And so when you go in and you do the biopsy, <laughs> you know it's difficult to keep your emotions uh, in, in calm when you walk out and you have to leave it in the hands of the doctor and they take it to the lab to do the results. Here you got three days or a week before you get an answer. And people that have been there, people that have been there, I'm telling you, those three days, those weeks, I'm, not, I'm gonna tell you, it's not easy. You say, oh, oh, I know God will take care. No, 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 no. We, we know God's going to take care of it. But at the same time, we're wondering what is the results. Now, am I, am I telling the truth today? Yes. Am I telling the truth? Yes. What's the results going to be? What's it like? You know? Uh, you, you, you think and you, you try to pray. You try to, uh, you try to sing. You try to do everything you can do. But the devil is just coming back, hitting your mind over and over again. You know, I've been going through some things here. Some of you don't know about it, and some of you do. But, we, you know, we've been going through some things. And, and I was at peace. And all at once, you know, when I began to look at the possibilities of different things, you know, all at once, I, I was lying down on my bed, bang, man, a thought comes in there, bang, another thought comes in there, bang, I don't want to beat myself up here, but uh, anyway, another one comes in, bang, and all at once, all these thoughts are going through my, my brain, and I'm lying on the pillow trying to go to sleep, and all at once, my emotions are going, Whoa! kind of like when you're, you eat something that you maybe shouldn't do, and you hear your stomach going, Bruh! That's how your brain and your emotions get when something happens because you're in the dark. Yes. You don't know what the outcome could be. Yes. And you're trying your best. You're trying your best to overcome the thoughts, the emotions, and be at peace when Satan keeps bombarding your mind. See, if you want to learn how to trust God and stay steady in difficult times, even though your thoughts and emotions try to overwhelm you. It takes the grace of God. It takes you standing in faith when you don't have anything to stand on but the Word of God. Is that right? Now, I said you can keep yourself active in prayer, you can keep yourself, and, and what, the other night when I was lying there, I started saying, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You make a way where there's no way. You move the obstacles. I started saying all these things, but as soon as I got through, bang. <laughs> and I, I, I tried to pray in tongues and sing a little in tongues and 
all at once when I got through, bang! You know, you can't think of one thing and then have something else to say. I mean, you, sometimes you can think of several things, and but, you know, it was, I, I was singing, Jesus, Jesus, I'm trusting you. You know, and, and then another song that, that we used to sing when I was young, I remember this old song, I'm trusting you, Lord. I'm trusting you, you've been so faithful, and you've been so true, you've never failed me, though I failed you, I'm trusting you, Lord, I'm trusting you. Now that didn't go over too good, but the words were okay. See, when we failed him, he still loves us. Isn't that good news? I'm trusting you. Well, it's not easy, as I said. We, we do everything we know to do, but sometimes the, the thoughts, the emotion comes at you so hard, it's, it's just difficult. But what you do is you don't give in to the thoughts and the emotions. Is anybody with me today? Amen. Now, Isaiah 26 and 3, he said... You will guard him and keep him in perfect and constant peace, whose mind, both its inclination and its character, is stayed on you because he commits himself to you, leans on you, and hopes confidently in you. You know, leaning on him. Remember the old song? I'm leaning, leaning, leaning from all along. Leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting See, it's easy for us to sing these songs. It's easy for us to say all of these things. Amen? Amen. You know, I, uh, I um, think about Christians, especially people that have been brought up in the faith teaching. You know, somebody comes to us and, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. You know, I got the blessings of God on me. Everywhere I turn, I'm blessed going in and I'm blessed going out. Oh, the anointing of God's on me. Glory to God. Glory to God. Everything's all right. And you know good and well, they're just all messed up on the inside. They're just saying all of that stuff because it's, they've heard somebody else saying it and they're doing what somebody else does. Well, I wouldn't say that you need to tell everybody, well, I'm all messed up and I'm all, I, I'm, I'm all hurt and I don't know what to do. And all. I, no, I wouldn't say do that. But too many times we react to something that has no truth to what we're saying with our mouth. And so what we need to do is to be more real when somebody comes to us and if we're fighting a battle, just say, well, I'm, I'm doing my best to walk in faith. Yes. Amen. I'm doing my best to overcome. Mm -hmm. Instead of seeing all this stuff that you don't mean, 
I mean, it's okay if you want to confess that. I do. Especially lately I've been confessing. I got the blessings of God on my life. I'm anointed. I have favor with God. We have divine appointments, open doors. I've been saying all kinds of things. And I'm not saying it because I'm fearful. I'm saying it because I want to believe everything that I'm confessing. But I'm not saying it to people other than right now I'm telling you. So the Bible said he, he will give you perfect peace. Yes. It's a learning process to know when you've been given a deadline. How many has ever had a deadline? Amen. And it seemed like when you got to the deadline and nothing happened. You had a bill and you prayed and you even sowed a seed for a harvest and the harvest yet didn't come in and the deadline's there and the bill's still not paid. I mean, I, I could go on and on that we've all been through something somewhere and we say that we're trusting God and we believe with all of our heart that we are trusting God, but it didn't happen. Do you get mad? Do you give up and say, God, you're just not there. You don't care for me. I'm just not going to pray anymore. I'm not going to believe the word anymore because you don't come through for me. Just like Paul, the great apostle. I think of Paul, the great apostle. He was, he, he was a great man of God. And you know what? The time that he had to escape for his life, and they put him in a basket and, and let him out of a place in the wall to run for his life. He couldn't say, then I've changed my mind, God. I'm not going to be the apostle that you called me to be. No. He had had an encounter with God. And his encounter with God that he had on the Damascus Road, when he had that encounter... Something was on the inside of it. Now, I want to tell you, I've had an encounter with God. And even though perplexity, even though thoughts hit my mind, even things that go through, somehow down in the bottom of all of this chaos and all this thought pattern and all of this turmoil of emotions, there's confidence on the inside. And eventually peace comes. And I'll just say to you, when I was battling the other night, Finally, I just kept speaking the word, saying the word, praying in tongues, and peace began to settle over my soul. Peace, peace, wonderful peace coming down from the Father above. Sweep over my spirit forever, I pray in fathomless billows of love. How did it come? In God's love. God's love and his love just overwhelmed me and peace came. Sleep came, and my sleep became sweet. Amen. Amen. See, in many ways, trusting God to me is like flying an airplane. Now, some of you have not had that uh, experience, and I understand that, and some of the things I'm going to say here you may not understand. But I've flown quite a few different sophisticated airplanes, been Pleased to do that, jets and uh, turbojets and uh, 
supercharged engines and all kinds of different things. And I've flown in the clouds times that, that I, I just didn't, rather it wouldn't bend that way. And the particular planes I was flying didn't have enough, you didn't have enough altitude to go way up to 40,000. Maybe I could get to 25,000 or something and I still couldn't get out of the yuck. I, you know, it's yuck when you're in clouds and turbulence and you can't get out of it. But when you're flying on instruments and you can't see out the windshield, I'm telling you now, you're on an instrument flight plan and you know where you're going and uh, you're sitting in the airplane and maybe you don't even know where you are at the moment. Somebody said, well, I wouldn't want to fly with you. Well, I mean, you don't know but you'd know by your instruments where you are. Your instruments are telling you you're flying right over Dallas or you're flying over wherever or you're between this and you're so many miles from this. And so you know, but you don't really know. And so you're flying along and you can't see out the windows. And so, you know, you've got several instruments that you're constantly looking at when you're in the cockpit. One of them is your airspeed. One of them is your altimeter which lets you know your height. And one is the altitude indicator. And, you know, there's several instruments that you're just constantly looking at with your eyes and observing because, I mean, if you're on autopilot, you don't have to be concerned about all of that. But sometimes in the older airplanes, um, the autopilots weren't as good as the big sophisticated jets are today. I mean, let me just say, now our pilots just put it on autopilot and it takes them where they want to go and they can just touch a little button if they need to increase altitude or if they need to go down, they can just touch a little button and all at once the autopilot will take them to that or take them to this or if they need a bank or whatever they need to do, the autopilot will do it for it. But I'm not talking about that kind of an airplane that I was flying back in those years uh, I had to hold on to the yoke many times and most of them did have autopilot but sometimes uh, the autopilots were not as stable as they are today and so sometimes when you're flying along in the in, in the clouds you know all at once you just feel like you're this way what happens you get vertigo and vertigo is an illusion of making you feel like you're not straight and level. You're not, and, and sometimes you feel like you're in a bank. I've even felt like I was 90 degrees turning, you know, and I'd look at my instruments to try to turn, turn my plane back straight and level, and I would be straight and level. I would be on my heading. I would be on my course. I would be where I was supposed to be, but my body was telling me everything is different than what I'm looking at. How many times have you been in a situation like that? That you know the word, you know what God says, but everything is hitting you and you just can't seem to make your body, your mind, and your emotions feel right. Anybody ever been there? Yes. See, it takes time as a pilot to, to learn how to trust your instruments. And, and, and you know... Uh, when I fly, well, I don't now. I'm, I'm not. I don't fly airplanes anymore. But you know, when you fly on an IRF, IRF flight plan, you know you've got people in different places uh, you're talking to and you're communicating with, and you're doing all of this. But it takes time to learn that. 
And so we as Christians, we need to grow beyond. We don't need to stay at the same place. Now I'm telling you the other night, I'm honest with you. I'm telling you, I had to fight. You know, Mike uh, Francine's been staying with us, and the other night we were talking, he came down, and, and you know, he's wanting me to get the book finished by the end of the month. <laughs> he said we're going to get it finished by the end of the month. Uh, well, you know, honestly, the book hadn't been on my mind as much as what's going on, and so I, I, I keep putting Mike off tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow. Tomorrow, because I'm dealing with things every day. I'm trying to keep my perfect peace. And so maybe writing the book, finish writing the book would do that. But I'm just sharing with you, I'm no different than you, even though I preach it. Amen. How many, is, how many can relate to anything I'm saying? To you? Anybody can, can relate? And you that, you that can't, well, you know, I need to give you the microphone. And you need to tell us how to do it. Somebody said, well, you don't sound like you're a faith preacher today. I'm a faith preacher. God's going to bring us through this thing. I have no doubt whatsoever in my mind that when we get through on the other side, I'm going to look back and say, whew, wasn't it wonderful? Wasn't it wonderful? That was awesome. And I'll come out stronger. Amen? So I just want you to know I'm not giving up. I want you to know I'm human like you and I have the same thoughts to bombard my mind as you do. I have to deal with the emotions just like you do. Now I'm going to tell you a story and some of you have heard this story a couple of times but you get to hear it the third time. (laughs) Hearing it over again will help you. Myrna can probably come tell you this story better than I can. But I was flying from a small city in Dallas, or Texas rather, and I was flying to Philadelphia and I was flying a really nice airplane. It did have autopilot and a lot of things on it. It was really nice. It was, a real, it was not a turboprop, but it was a twin-engine airplane that was supercharged. And uh, really, it, it, would, it would beat the dust, I'm telling you. It, it, would, it would go fast. And I really enjoyed flying that airplane. But I had to stop. I was flying from small town here in Texas to... Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, where I had a meeting in Philadelphia. And I remember I had to stop in Nashville to make a fuel stop. Well, I had the flight plan, and I knew that's where it's going to have to stop, and so everything was in order. I made a contact. I was flying along on center, talking to them, and then they turned me over to approach control. And so I contacted approach control. I said, approach control, this is 500 Papa Lima. And I gave them my heading and told them I was coming into Nashville for a landing. And they said, well, touch your ident button, which is my transponder. And so when I did the ident, I exploded on their screen in Nashville. So they saw exactly where I was. Well, you know, I came on in. I was on this instrument landing course. And they're giving me vectors and telling me what to do. And so I'm headed and lined up with with the runway. And I'm in the clouds, and I can't see, and I'm totally in trusting my instruments. And when you're making an instrument landing, you have a, an instrument that, that's in your airplane that on the sides of the runway, there are radio frequencies 
that, that are coming to you and your airplane is showing you where those are and it shows you in your airplane if you're straight with the runway or not. You can't see it. But this instrument tells you if you're headed this way or if you're headed this way or if your nose is not down enough or if it's up too much. And you have to watch all of that because you can get in a stall. Did you know the big jets landing could get into a stall if they didn't do the right thing? So I knew all, I knew all of this. I've been trained to do all this. And so I was on the glide slope coming down. I was watching my airspeed. I was watching my altitude. I was watching the uh, uh, attitude indicator. I was thinking about when I put my flaps down. All of these things you've got to go through. But you're doing it, but you can't see. You, just, you can see in the cockpit, but you can't see outside. And then when I got down to a certain altitude, ice froze on my windshield. So my windshield wipers wouldn't work because of the ice. A big, big, thick ice was on my windshield. Well, I didn't let that hinder me. I just kept following the glide slope. Just kept coming on down. But when I got down to 200 feet, I had to make a decision if that ice wasn't broken off of my windshield. Now, the big jets today can land on autopilot. <clears throat> they can land on autopilot. And they do that sometimes, sometimes they don't. But you still need 200 feet before you can decide. So I had to decide when I got to 200 feet, if I couldn't see, I was going to have to go around again. And so I, I had my hands on the throttles, of course, and I had my other hand on the yoke, and I was watching every one of these instruments to make sure everything was right. But when I got down to 200 feet, the ice did not clear from a windshield, so I couldn't see. So I had to fly the airplane, take off again, and then I called tower, and I said, this is 500 Papa Lima. I've made a missed approach. Please give me vectors to come back and land. So they moved, moved things around, and they put me in the line of traffic, and when I did, the ice blew off my windshield. Oh, I thought, this is wonderful. I get to come back. And so same process again. I won't go through the whole thing. But I went through that place again. Ice came on my windshield. I couldn't see. Wow. And I'm thinking, oh, Lord. So I got down to 200 feet. The ice didn't break off. So I gave my engine power. And when I did... One of them quit running. It had condensation in, in, in the supercharged system. Somehow condensation got in there, and I lost one of the engines. Well, you know, flying a twin-engine airplane, some people think because you have one engine, you're okay. Well, that's true if you know what you're doing. <laughs> if you don't know what you're doing, that one engine will turn you over on your back. That's called velocity minimum control. If you get down to that speed, that one engine will turn you on your back, and you'll be flying on your back. That's not fun. No. Now, I didn't do it in that airplane, but I've done it in sport airplanes before. The old biplanes, I used to go out. A friend of mine had one, and sometimes I'd go out and do a lot of aerobatics, and I'd get up and go do spins, and I 
You'd really like to have been with me when we were doing those spins. Or I'd fly along and I'd get the airplane and I'd turn it upside down. Man, that was fun, flying that old biplane upside down. But you know what? When you're in my situation, you don't want a sophisticated airplane to be on its back. <laughs> you want it to be upright. So I didn't call tower right away and say I missed approach. I was trying to fly the airplane, and I was trying to find out how to keep my airspeed, how to get my altitude, and also at the same time, am I going to get this engine back? Because the prop was still turning, but it was causing tremendous drag. Now, normally you would feather the props to where they wouldn't be this way, but where they would turn this way. But I couldn't feather the prop, and so I was getting a lot of drag, and here I am trying to get up. Well, you know what? I was trained for this, folks. And I couldn't turn to the back, the people that was there with me, and say, what do I do now? <laughs> and you know what? If they would have told me what to do, I would have wanted to say, shut up. You don't know what I'm doing. Do you think I had emotion during that time? Does anybody think I had emotion when this was going on? Do you think I had a lot of thoughts going on in my brain? And here I'm trying to look at all the instruments, keep my altitude, knowing I need altitude and I need speed. Those two things I knew I needed. Altitude and speed. So I remember, finally, I, I, I touched the starter and I got the... The, the, even though it was windmilling, it still wasn't running, but I touched the starter, and finally the engine started. Whoo! You don't know what a relief that was. Now, it wouldn't have been bad if the weather had been in a situation, and I wasn't low of fuel. Now, I had 45 minutes of reserve fuel. You have to do that when you're going to be landing. You have to have at least 45 minutes reserved. So I had the 45 minutes and I wasn't concerned, but I was concerned about how many times I was going to have to go around. So I finally got the plane straight and level and back on course, and then I said to, to the tower, 500 Papa Lima, I just made a missed approach. Please give me vectors. So they began to guide me back with two engines. It was fun. It was better. And I got to an altitude where it blew the ice off the windshield. So I'm coming down the same thing again. Same place, ice came on the windshield the third time. Well, why didn't you just go somewhere else and land? There was a fuel situation. That's why I didn't go somewhere else and land. So I remember doing the whole process again. But right before I got to 200 feet, the ice broke off my windshield. And as I got down to 200 feet, I saw the runway, and I landed safely. Now, I told you all of this to tell you I could have lost everything there if I panicked. How many times do we let Satan get us in fear when we're in a time that it seems like Nothing is working for us and everything is against us. I knew how to fly the airplane very well on one engine. I knew how in those circumstances to handle it very well. But it was more difficult to handle 
when I couldn't see outside. Think about what I'm talking about. Sometimes you can't see beyond the problem. Anybody here? You want to. You got the word. You want to believe the word. You're trying to. Just like myself. I knew I could do this. But I knew I had to do it. Is anybody here? See, trusting God is learning to be patient and waiting on God. No one likes to wait. But that's part of trusting God. Did you know that? Waiting is part of the process of trusting God. Even though you believe everything will turn out right, this doesn't stop, as I said a moment ago, from thoughts coming in your mind and your emotions and imaginations. So you have to continually speak the Word of God, meditate in the Word of God. You know, I really appreciate my wife. You know, a lot of the days she just turns the TV on and turns it to YouTube where there's awesome praise and worship. And I walked in the room the other day and she said, oh, you just missed it. She said, there was hundreds of people and they were all singing in tongues. Well, as I walked in the room and they were the real, they were still praising God and then there was some on the floor. I don't know where it was. It doesn't matter. But they were on the floor and they were just crying and weeping and praying. And, and I felt the atmosphere in our living room as, as these people were just singing in tongues. I'm telling you, folks, I think sometimes, as I said, we get too caught up in the exterior and then we try to take from the interior to handle the exterior, but we hadn't put enough on the interior. Is anybody with me? Amen. You know, we read in chart, Mark chapter 9, where a, a little boy had been brought to the disciples to cast the spirit out, and they weren't, weren't successful in doing that. And so the boy came that the gentleman came to Jesus when Jesus came in and he said to Jesus, he said, Jesus, I brought my son to um, uh, your disciples to cast the spirit out. I said, he's got a spirit. And sometimes the spirit causes him to convulse and he, he, he throws himself into the floor and, and he hurts himself. And Jesus said, bring him to me. And so they brought the little boy to Jesus and and when they did, they brought him, he replied to, the, to Jesus, he said, Since he was a little boy, the Spirit often throws him into the fire or into the water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us, if you can. Did you hear him? Hear what he said? Have mercy on us and help us, if you can. Now, why did he say, if you can? Because he had an image. He had watched this happen over and over again. How many times have we been, not necessarily in this situation, but something is going on over and over and over and over and over again? Have you ever been there? Yes. Well, even though... He said that. He said, 
He said, if you can. And then look what Jesus said. Jesus said, what do you mean if I can? What do you mean if I can? Sometimes I think God needs to answer us when we get in our times. Jesus said, Anything is possible if a person believes. And notice, the father instantly cried out. And Lord, help us to be honest. Oh Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? He said, Lord, I believe. But help me when I doubt. Help my unbelief. I want to say it again. The father cried out. The father instantly cried out. I do believe. But help me overcome my unbelief. Why did he say that to Jesus? He had seen the young boy do this over and over again. So it was hard for him to get the image out of his mind, even though he brought him to Jesus to pray for. Even though he had enough faith to bring him, but yet at the same time, the image was still playing in his mind. It was going over and over and over again. So I hope somebody is understanding. I have compassion for you. I care for you. But God's will help us. And look what the man said. Lord, I do, I do believe that's why I brought the kid here. But somehow, I have watched this over and over again. That's why I said, if you can, I do believe, but help me in my unbelief. Well, you know, I read this scripture and quote it to you. 2 Corinthians 10.5 Casting down imaginations and everything that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now you may think that I'm, I'm preaching negative today. I'm trying my best to identify with you of what you go through when your body starts talking to you, when your finances starts talking to you, when your mind starts going over and over again, when disappointment comes, when people do you wrong, people walk out of your life, people betray you. We've all been there sometime or another. See, it's, it's easy for us to read the Scripture but sometimes it takes some time to cast those thoughts, those emotions, and bring them under control. Is anybody identifying with me right now? So I'm not saying it's not possible, but what we need to be is like the young man, that like the man in Mark chapter 9, whose boy would cast himself because of the convulsions and the seizures, would throw himself into the fire and into the water and hurt himself. Lord, I believe but help my unbelief. The other night I was lying in the bed and I said, Lord, you know I believe your word. You know I know that everything's going to be all right. I believe that with all my heart. But Lord, help me 
to overcome these negative thoughts. Help me to overcome these negative feelings and these emotions that's coming against me. Give me the grace and the strength to trust him more. As Maida was singing a few minutes ago, give me the grace to trust him more. See, 1 Peter 6 through 8 says, humble yourself. Here's the thing. We have to be in a position to say what I just said. Lord, I need you. My strength is waning. My strength is weak. I need your strength. I'm having a hard time to hold on. And it says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may lift you up in due time. That he may lift you up in due time. And it's easy for me to read it and to say it, but it says, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. But then he said, be alert and of sober mind. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now I want to wrap this up and I'm going to ask Pastor Jen to come up here in just a minute. I've never said, I've never said, and I've always been honest with you, I have all my thoughts and, and emotions under control when I'm in a storm. I've never said that to you, that I've got it all down pat. I'm better than I am, and one of the things that I try to do is never make an emotional decision. I know when I'm in these terms, and these times, and I'm trying to keep the peace of God, I know not to let myself make an emotional decision. I wait. They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They that wait on the Lord shall renew. So if we have to renew, that means we lost it. If we have to renew something. I had to renew my driver's license this year. January the 25th, my driver's license had run out. They had expired. So I renewed them before the date. So I had it. I had my driver's license. Everything is okay. But it expired. I had to renew. So he said, they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. So that means you had it before, but you lost it and you need it back. Anybody with me? See, I've said, I've, I want to say it again. I've never said that I always have it under control, but I get there. I don't, I don't, I don't spend my time just being talking crazy and saying stuff. I say the right thing. I do my best to trust God in the storm. And see, I think all of you will know, every storm is different. Have you ever thought about that? There's new storms that come every day. And sure, sometimes that storm may last a lot longer than the other storm. And I've said many times that it's not necessarily the power of the storm sometimes. It's the length of the storm. 
which just keeps going and going and going and going. And what happens? It begins to wear down your strength. Let me, let me, as I said, try to wrap up. I want to say this. And, and anyone, I want you to understand. I'm preaching to you today, but if you come in here and you're in a storm, you don't want me to look at you and say, well, just believe the Word of God and the Word of God says and the Word of God, the Word of God, the Word of God, and the Word of God. You're hurting so badly, you already know everything I'm saying, that what to do. And you're trying your best to do it. So if I start pointing my finger in your face and start telling you what to do, you just want to reach up and say, shut your mouth. I know what to do. I just need you to listen. Did anybody get what I just said? Sometimes you just need somebody to listen. I'm in a storm. I'm in the fight of my life. I'm doing all I know to do to walk through this storm. And then all, once somebody says, well, you know, the Bible says, and the Bible says, and the Bible says, and the Bible says, and the Bible says. Well, we ought to know what the Bible says. I do. I preach it. And so when someone starts preaching to me and starts telling me it's going to be all right, you know, it's just like, do you think I don't know what you're saying? Do you not think I'm not trying to do what you're saying? Just have compassion and say, I'm standing with you. I love you. And I believe with all my heart you're going to come through this and I'm praying for you. Don't, don't, don't preach to me and tell me what I already know. Love me. Faith works by love. Faith works by love. Now I want Pastor Jan to come up here. and um, Somebody just go with her if you would. Help her up there if you would. Um, um, sometimes sometimes when we're in, we're in a storm sometimes we're in a storm we maybe start changing well maybe maybe I ought to change my belief or maybe, maybe what I believed is not right maybe all this faith stuff don't work maybe I ought to just back off a little bit and and, and maybe praying in tongues doesn't really help. Maybe rebuking the devil doesn't hurt. You know, just like when our son was killed. I didn't change what I believed because our son was killed. I didn't quit preaching something different when our son was killed. And so I, Pastor Jane said on the prayer meeting the other night something very interesting. And, and I don't recall exactly how she said it, but she can say it herself. But, you know, your husband, Al, mm -hmm. this church has not been the same since he's left to go to heaven. <laughs> I mean, he, I bet heaven, I bet his corner and his place of heaven is having a time with his bongo drums. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling him where he's going. And, and I can just see him going all over in, in the different mansions and places and when they're in the street and, and the choir sing, and I can just see him just... I mean, you that knew Al, he was bigger than life. His presence, even if he didn't open his mouth, his presence just came in and spread all over. And you just kind of looked. And his boss, a company of how many thousand people in that company? Do you know? 
I don't know, I don't know how many there are, but it's a multinational company and it has regions in the United States and in Canada. And um, his boss, Corey, which is probably, I'm going to say, was probably at least 20, 25 years younger when I talked to him, he was absolutely devastated at Al's death because Al was so willing to help and to share what he knew. And he wasn't really afraid that, you know, if I teach somebody else, maybe they're going to, you know, I'm going to lose my job. And he basically just said that people at his work, I mean, could not believe because he was just so filled with life and so friendly and, and you know, just such a positive effect, not only on the business, but just personality-wise. And his boss said, um, he said, our company will never be the same. And they have thousands of employees, thousands, not only here, not just in Dallas, but they're all over. They're all over the United States, but it's a multinational. It started in France. And so, I mean, they're all over the world. And so the, the work that they're doing is all over the world. And his projects would be up into the millions yes, of dollars yeah. that mm -hmm. Al would be overseeing. Mm -hmm. Well, what I want to say to Pastor Jan is, my wife and I, and you, you, you wonderful people, have been so compassionate towards Jan, and we appreciate that. And we know that Al is with Jesus. And, and Pastor Jan, when this happened, uh, you had emotion, didn't you? A little bit, yeah. <laughs> 53 years, 8 months, and 18 days. That's how long we were married when he went home. And actually, today, it's 6 months. Since he, since he went home to be with Jesus. And um, I still have emotions. I mean, I can get up here and I can talk to you and you can think like, well, you know, how can, how can she do that and everything, but you don't see, you know, how I feel when his, his birthday was a week ago and I, I was, wasn't, I knew it was coming, but I was surprised how I dealt with it. It was just really very hard for me. And I didn't expect that. So it just, uh, those emotions just kind of hit you just in very unexpected ways. And, you know, sometimes it's pretty hard. Well, and see, everything you just described mm -hmm. is what I tried to do mm -hmm. in these 45 minutes mm -hmm. that I was in my discourse of ministering mm -hmm. that you're a, you're a human with emotions. She loves God. She went to Ramah. She learned every one of the faith scriptures. I mean, again, you, you did, you and Al both did everything you knew to do in studying the Bible. And you already know every scripture that I've ever preached. You already know this yourself. Well, I know about every scripture. <laughs> close to, anyway. Yeah, 60 years, uh, you know, in comparison to 30-some. <laughs> Maybe not. But you were doing your best. Yes, yes to live up to those scriptures. Uh -huh, uh -huh. But reality was striking you in the face. Mm -hmm. And when reality struck you in the face for 53 years, how many days and how many, how many months? Eight months and uh, 18 days. 18 days. You got down to the hour and minutes yet? No. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't she beautiful today? I mean, no. I, I talk to God just like I'm talking to, just like I'm talking to Pastor. I, well, I just, that's how I am with God. She made a mistake, made a, a statement a minute ago, didn't make a mistake. She made a statement and she said, I may look okay, but 
I'm hurting. She didn't use this term, but yeah. I still have hurts. I still have emotions. Yes. See, that's what I'm saying in this whole discourse when I said when people come up to you and you say, oh, I'm highly favored and I'm anointed of God and I'm blessed going in and I'm blessed going out. <laughs> See, she could have done that, but she just tried to be honest with people herself and say, I'm, 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 I'm okay. I'm getting there. I'm, I'm better. I'm working on it. Mm -hmm. Now, Pastor Jan, you said Thursday night. Mm -hmm. um, I don't recall how you phrased this, but see, when Al passed, you tell me what you said the other night. Well, this was completely unexpected because, again, he had been with his boss maybe two or three weeks, maybe three weeks before then, and they talked. And Al, when he died, he was 73 years old. And so they just, they had a real, real good rapport with each other. And so in the course of the conversation, Al said, he says, well, I'll just tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to work another five years, and then I'm going to decide what I'm going to do after five years. So this was completely and totally, I mean, he was sick with COVID, I was sick with COVID, but even when I, you know, think back to the moment he died, um, it just, it was completely unexpected. I mean, that never even entered my mind. I mean, I knew he was sick, but I never expected he would die. But the thing, the thing is, is and, I, and I believe, you know, God wants other people to know um, for exactly the reason Pastor's been talking about, you know, is because he, because this was completely, I believe, untimely, because it was unexpected, it has not affected my relationship with God. Mm. It has not affected my trust with God. It, is, it has not affected my faith in the Word of God. It has not stopped me from living by the scriptures that you, you know, you just mentioned. You know, it hasn't stopped me from living because I don't have understanding of what happened. So I just really feel that that's important that you don't give up what you believe concerning God, you know, as it lines up with the Word of God, that you don't give up on that because you have, as pastors always would say, you know, unexpected events that come into your life that you, you, um, you just say, well, because that happened, the Word must not be true. We can't do that. We don't want to back up. We don't want to back off. Uh, if anything, we need to just press forward, you know, and that's what I'm endeavoring to do. Have I arrived? No. <laughs> but, but I'm a work in progress. Well, see what she's just explained, and I wanted her to come and say it because she's the one right now dealing with thoughts, emotions. She explained very well. I don't understand why and how it could happen. But I didn't lose my faith and trust in God. Yes. And see, when our Jeff was killed, same thing. Mm -hmm. We didn't understand how it could happen, why it could happen. Just like Al told his boss, I got five more years before I'm even going to think about mm -hmm. retiring or whatever. He didn't plan to leave. He didn't plan to leave. He wasn't thinking. She said he, she knew he had COVID, but she didn't even think that he was about to leave this earth. She didn't even think about it or know or realize. But now that it's happened, she's not angry at God. Mm -mm. She still has her faith 
still believes every scripture. Yes. You hadn't changed one bit. No. And what do you think, what do you think in the next six months, what are you planning to do, Pastor Jan, in the area of your faith? Just increase and grow in it. See? Increase and grow in faith, even though she lost the closest thing on this earth to her. He left and went to heaven. So, we think sometimes we've got the brunt of things and we got it so bad and it looks like deadlines come and pass and go. What do you do? I know Pastor Jan very well. She could have had a lot of pity parties and say, look at me, but you know and realize mm -hmm. you're not the only one that has gone through this that's a Christian, baptized yes. in the Holy Ghost and, and believe in faith. You're not the only one that's stood in this same spot. Absolutely. But she said, I'm going to keep growing in the next six months. Yes. Give her a big hand. And I just want to say, yes. too, that thought never even crossed my mind. I mean, it never, it never, wow. I'm just telling you the truth. It never crossed my mind to change, you know, well, maybe this isn't true or whatever. So, I mean, I can honestly say that. I mean, I'm standing here saying this before you, but I'm saying this before God. So. Amen. Amen. Bless you. Not because I'm wonderful, but because God's wonderful. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Thank you so much, Pastor Jan. Now, I want to just close with this thought. We're emotion, we have emotions, we have thoughts, and it's a learning process. Paul said, I have learned in whatever state I'm in to be content. You know that's easy to say? That's easy to say? But sometimes when I get the report and I look at the offerings and I know what the I don't maybe know what the bills that are due, but I know we have them. And I look at that and I know what's going out. I have to put my thoughts in the right place and say to myself and to God, your word says you'll supply all of our needs according to your riches and glory. When you're at home and you get the same thing to happen to you and you get the water bill, the electric bill, you get the house payment or the rent and the car payment and you know what's in the bank and you look at that. Well, I've learned to not say, what are we going to do? But I've learned to say, and even though my mind, thoughts may be pounding my mind, I say with my mouth, God, you will supply our needs according to your riches and glory. I so appreciate what Pastor Jan shared. She didn't lose her faith, get mad at God and blame God and say, all this stuff I've been taught all these years and the stuff that I've taught. Pastor Jan is a great teacher. She's a better teacher than me. I'm a, I'm a preacher. So uh, she, she's better at teaching than me. She's very analytical. 
where I just put a little here and a little salt here and a little pepper there and a little cumin here and, and a little spice here and a little bit of something else here. I just do a little here and a little there. But Pastor Jen's right on line. One, two, three, four. So organized. But anyway, she has to walk out through her emotions and thought pattern to do everything I preached this morning. If you've had a struggle anywhere in your life, in the area I'm talking about, and you want to be like the man in Mark 9, when Jesus said, he said to Jesus, I believe, I believe, but help my unbelief. Would you stand on your feet and let me pray with you? Is anybody? Come on, don't be ashamed. I, I admit it about me. If you've had a struggle sometimes, when it looked like, when it looked like nothing was changing, when it looked like nothing was getting better, that your thoughts were bombarded. Thank you. I'm glad you stood up. Well, you know, she struggled. She fell off of the ladder, as all of you know. <laughs> but yesterday, Miss Clowers decided to go take a walk. She loves to walk. Well, she came back in and she was cooking for Mike and I and herself. And I walked into the kitchen and I saw a scowl on her brow. And as I looked at her kind of perplexed. She said, I walked too long today. Well, through what she's going through, She's prayed, she's spoken the word, I know. I've watched her lie on the couch and watch YouTube and watch preacher after preacher preach the word. She's trying to fill herself up with the word. Now, let me say this. I know I'm way over time now. But, but what happens is, many times, when the unexpected event happens, so you can't, you can't determine them. Pastor Jan had no way. We had no way that our son was going to be killed. She had no way of knowing she's going to fall off the ladder. And, and sometimes what we do, we, we start at that point trying to, trying to catch up. Now get my point here. We start at that point trying to, to catch up but if we had have been preparing for anything, you know, just like I got news the other day about something, and totally out of the clear blue, un unexpected news, totally unexpected news. Well, I got, I got, boom. Blindsided is, a, I guess, is a good term. And so. I preached about it. I told you about it. And so it's not a shame for you to stand on your feet and say, Pastor, here I am admitting it as your pastor. I got blindsided. And when I got blindsided, I didn't get over it the minute that it was said. Glory to God, I'm highly favored, blessed, going in, going out. I knew all of those things. But I just said, God, you help me with my thoughts. Help me with my emotions. 
I'm fighting in my thoughts and my mind and my emotions. That's not sinful. That's not a lack of faith. When Pastor Jan said she didn't, she didn't know, but see, had she not already had something to go on, this is what I'm saying. Many times people start at the incident of trying to catch up. And it's almost impossible to catch up unless you get a miracle from God. That's why we teach what we teach and preach every Sunday. Is so when the unexpected event happens, you already have something to go on and stand on. But even though you're caught unaware and some of the things that you have had gone through and you that are standing today, along with me, I'm standing up with you. And you that are watching somewhere in the world, you may be going through the same thing. I just happened to hit my phone. Here's someone who says, kindly pray for me to be free from depression. Wow. Wow. And this person said, please listen. That was a great word that I just spoke. I'm not saying it was a great word. This is what the person is saying. Just happened to hit my phone and see somewhere a person is watching. Please pray for me. I've got great depression. Now this person believes the word. I'm sure they believe the word. Are they a bad person because they got depression? They're a person. They're a person. Jesus, as your child, I approach you now with confidence, faith, and trust that you hear me when I pray and I represent every man and woman that is standing here and those that's watching abroad. As I just saw one there, and maybe there's many others. I, I can't look at that now. But maybe there's many others that's saying, I need help. I, I, I need the peace that you're talking about. I need to be able to lean on those everlasting arms. I need to be able to say it's so sweet to trust in Jesus, to take Him at His Word. God, I want to be able to not just say it, but trust You. In my time of getting out of this place I'm in, take me, Lord. Lead me to a higher place. Father, I thank You right now that you're touching hearts that you're touching lives you're touching people not only here in this room for the many that are standing but god you're touching people in other places of the world right now holy spirit right now holy spirit help them to see they may be down like i was to almost 200 feet and couldn't see the runway. 
and had already tried that exercise twice in that airplane. And Lord, they may have gone around this thing three times already. Maybe four times. But God, on this time, let them see the runway. Let them see the runway right now. Right now. Let the peace of Jesus overcome everyone. And let them know everything is going to be all right. Now to you that's never made Jesus Lord of your life or your relationship is not right with Him, pray this prayer with me and you here in the building, pray it out loud with me to give support. Dear Lord, I come to you now. I repent of my weakness, my wrong for missing the mark. Forgive me of the sin and help me from this day on to turn my life to you and trust you in every situation and learn to walk by faith. Jesus, I confess and believe in my mouth, believe with my heart that you died and you were raised from the dead. I confess you are my Lord, my Savior. I receive you now, Jesus. Amen and amen. Now give him a hand clap of praise, everybody. Come on, give him a hand clap of praise. Cast all your care on him, for he careth for you. He is my
Amen. I believe you're going to go out of here today, you and me both together, in peace. Those troubled thoughts and those emotions that's been knotted up and Satan's tried to keep you from living life in abundance. You're going to enjoy living for Jesus and realize somehow God gives you His grace to walk through. Amen. Well, bless you. Have a wonderful day. Cast all 